0: Did you know that over 50% of the church membership is single? That's why Faith Matters and Leading Saints are joining forces to produce the Single Saints Virtual Summit. This online event is focused on helping Latter-day Saints more deeply understand the complexities of being a single adult in our faith community. In this summit, you'll learn from 10 to 15 presenters, mostly single adults, who share their unique perspectives on how we can better understand the single adult experience and feel more equipped to unite with them in our worship. For more information about the Single Saints Virtual Summit and how to register for free, text the word LEAD to 474747. Again, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit LeadingSaints.org slash singleadults. Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints Be Better Prepared to Lead. And we do that through various ways, including this very podcast that you're listening to. I hope you subscribe. Maybe leave us a review while you're at it, and I think you'll enjoy the content you find on this podcast. And then jump on over to leadingsaints.org, and you'll find thousands of articles dedicated to leadership context as it relates to uh, being a Latter-day Saint. We have virtual summits that we've done, Check us out on social media, and also a weekly newsletter that goes out that has unique content you won't find anywhere else. So uh, jump into the Leading Saints world. We're glad to have you. Welcome back to another session of the Single Saints Virtual Summit. My name is Kurt Frankham, and today I have the opportunity to sit down with a fellow board member of Leading Saints, Jessica Johnson. How are Hello, you, Jessica?
1: Kurt. I'm doing well. Thanks. Yeah.
0: You know, the our board of directors doesn't get a lot of... I, I, you guys make me take all the, the screen time. You Pretty know? much,
1: <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the whole design.
0: That's the design, <laughs> right? But I was excited to do this uh, virtual summit about single adults in the church because you yourself are a single adult in the church, right? I am, yes. And, and, <laughs> and it's such a weird question because I treat it like in the context of this summit, like it's part of your resume, like how oh, you're single, congratulations. <laughs> but I mean, anything else you'd like to touch on your experience? And, and we'll get into it a little bit here, but anything else as far as introduction, your background, your faith, all of that.
1: Yeah, well, I I'm currently serving as a Stake Relief Society president in a just a run of the mill stake in Springville, Utah. I love that opportunity. And we have all all sorts in our yeah. stake, and so I try to, you know, be the Stake Relief Society president for everybody, not just for a certain subset right. of, you know, the folks that are in the stake. I love the opportunity to serve. And I've had lots of opportunities throughout my life to be in leadership callings and other callings in the church. And, and I've just, I've really enjoyed opportunities to grow and develop. And I'm really thankful for that. I um, work as um, a principal consultant at the RBL group, which was started by Dave Ulrich, who we've had on the podcast before and his wife, Wendy Ulrich as well.
0: Power, power couple, power
1: couple for sure. Yeah, and um, and we do leadership development as well as uh, work with organizations to help their HR teams become more strategic. We do some organization design as well, and so yeah. I go out. Well, I used to go out. Now I usually do more of it from home. Yeah,
0: yeah. Don't we all, right?
1: <laughs> and I work with clients that are all over the world and and teach in those areas from the research that we do and the books that we write and that yeah. type of thing.
0: So maybe just give us a quick summary of your journey as a Latter Day Saint. Early on, did you go to the, the singles ward scene and those types of things and then transition at some point?
1: Yeah, I did. So I, um, you know, I just grew up in a normal ward in, in California and then I came out to BYU and of course, singles wards are the option when right. you're at BYU. <laughs> and so I did that and then I just kept going to singles wards for a long time. I lived in California. I lived in Washington, D.C., when I moved out to Washington DC, they had actually just kind of enforced the sort of 31 age marker and I think I had just turned 31 or something hmm. like that. And so, I started going just to a conventional ward, but in that ward about half of the ward was single and half of the ward was, you know, married and um, you know, some had children, some didn't. There were a lot of professionals that worked in, you know, government, you know, organizations and that type of thing. And And so I was there for a few years. And then I moved back to California where there was um, the Stanford Second Ward, which kind of went up to 35 at the time. And then at 35, I moved into a conventional ward again and have just kind of gone back and forth. When I moved to Utah, I just decided I loved conventional wards. Mm -hmm. I loved that I had been serving in Stake Young Women's. I loved Young Women's and primary and the whole program of the church. And for me, when i you know i built a house in springville i felt like it was just right to stay in the ward boundaries there and there are mid singles wards available and i'll go to activities and that type of thing but yeah. for the most part i just enjoy serving in in the place where i'm planted
0: yeah and i've noticed <laughs> as i've you know interviewed different single adults and you know there's no two journeys that are the same and some have, were impacted by some parts of our culture differently than others and so For you, I mean, what would you say what most defines your experience as a single adult in the church? As far as what are the hard parts, what are the positive parts, and anything come to mind like that? You know,
1: I find a lot of positive parts. I feel like I have just been looked at as someone who desires to, you know, build up their own discipleship, come closer to Christ, and look for opportunities to serve wherever those happen to be. And I've been able to serve in leadership positions. I've also been able to, you know, help out in the nursery and and be a gospel doctrine teacher and that type of thing. And so I'm thankful that in the wards that I've been in, people have you know, probably just viewed me as someone who is willing to serve instead of categorizing me in some way. And so I do think you know, there have been some differences when I moved into my ward that I'm in right now. I think for a while there, they didn't really know what to do with me. I was kind of... <laughs> the only single that wasn't, you know, an older widow in the ward and but eventually they kind of figured that out my bishop even uh, they had me speaking at, at a youth conference and the bishop introduced me and he said early on Jessica spoke in sacrament meeting and her parents were there listening and i went up to her parents after and i said we're going to take care of your daughter you know we're going to do this for her and he said now i recognize jessica takes care of the rest of us and so i was like i don't i don't know that i do that but i'm thankful for those opportunities to serve and that people can just see me as being willing and you know and wanting to do that not trying to categorize me into some bucket yeah. or something like that
0: yeah and that's an interesting and such a subtle point that we sometimes miss cuz we hear like in conference talks you know most recently about this emphasis on there's a lot of single adults in our faith community and we need to be aware of that, right? And so, naturally, as a leader or as an individual, I I shift to this place of like, yeah, I want to be more aware. I want to help those individuals. I want to make sure that I'm stepping up and and serving them, right? But oftentimes, it's like, well, it's not like all these single adults are standing around hoping that someone will serve them. It's like, they just want to be included, shoulder to shoulder involved there. But anything you'd add to that as far as... How to, well, I'd that? say a
1: lot of these singles have had a lot of experiences, maybe in the workplace, to yeah. be in leadership positions and, and variety of experience. And so let's just utilize that as much as we can instead of, you know, maybe thinking, oh, I'm not like making excuses. Oh, maybe they travel some or they're off to see people or, you mm-hmm. know, something like that. I mean, I had a primary president come up to me and say, oh, Jessica, I really wish we could call you into primary, but you know, with your job and your life, you're just, you're gone too much. And what was funny is like the next week they called me to be the gospel doctrine teacher. And I was, I never missed a gospel doctrine Sunday I was teaching on. And so like, we're also very flexible and we can make things work and uh, and we want to be of service.
0: And I think it's just part of our human nature, regardless of what the differences are. But sometimes we see differences in others as somewhat of a deficit in some way, or we automatically define it like that. Like, oh, yeah. there's, you're missing something or how can I help you? Cause you're missing something or uh-huh. there's a problem Or here. take yeah. pity
1: or patronize yeah, right. or something like that too. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. we
0: can maybe readjust and focus on the strengths and go Absolutely. from there. Right? Mm-hmm. So you had, as we've been talking about putting this summit together, you gathered a handful of your friends and mm-hmm. I mean, more than a handful probably, and, and did some focus group. Work and just sort of gathered their perspectives, questions, and and how would you describe what you did?
1: So, I tried to get a good cross section of individuals that have lived, and granted, this is around North America, Mm -hmm. not necessarily internationally, which I wish we had, you know, some more input there. Though some of those individuals have lived internationally that I talked to, and even though they're not, you know, at the current time, and just tried to get a broader perspective because I, you know, you had talked to me about coming onto the podcast and I didn't want to just talk from my own experience. I wanted to share, you know, the experiences of others. Now, this was not a scientific, right. you know, <laughs> a focus group that we put together. And so there is some, you know, of a self-similarity principle perhaps there, but we did have folks that were divorced. We had folks that have never been married and that have been in singles wars that have been in conventional wards. You know, all sorts of yeah. things. So And those
0: those wasn't scientific. I think it's like a good model of maybe some things leaders could do is let's gather a focus group of those single adults in our stake and just like what are you seeing, what are you perceiving, or what's yes. your experience like that we're just missing just because of the where we're at in life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Cause it is it's a different experience, yet I think everyone in your congregation has probably had a different experience yeah, in the exactly. church. Just depending on where they grew up and what you know callings they've had and all of that.
0: Yeah. Well, let's go through some of these as far as like various topics and questions you covered, and the first one being how how can I help to make you feel more comfortable, welcome and connected in the ward? Like that's I think where a lot of people default to is I just I want you to feel welcome, and so it's like I'll sit by you at. On Sunday, like that's what I'll do. But maybe there's something more that we're missing. What What did they yeah. feedback? Did you? Get? And you
1: know these questions, Kurt. I actually really appreciated these questions. We went to kind of our helpers group and asked uh-huh. them to submit some. And so it's great that this is what came up because I think they're good ones to address. So when I first saw that question, I really thought about President Hinckley back in 1997. He talked about three things that a new convert needs, and I think it's the same for singles or really anyone. <laughs> In the church, it could go to. And he said, with the ever-increasing number of converts, or we'll say singles, we must make an increasingly substantial effort to assist them as they find their way. Every one of them needs three things, a friend, a responsibility, and nurturing with the good word of God. It is our duty and opportunity to provide these things. So maybe we'll talk about those three different items. Mm -hmm. So first, a friend. So sitting next to someone in church. If you recognize that someone is sitting alone, There are probably people who like to sit alone at church, but you could still go up and ask, Would you mind if I sat next to you? I don't know too many people who would, you know, turn you down and say, No, I've just, I've got to be in my space. I mean, maybe with COVID, right? right? (laughs) Right now. But just extending that sort of an opportunity, you know, to sit with them. And, Inviting them to things. I think we can all ask ourselves are there things that I invite married people to that I don't invite single people to? And that's maybe even outside of church on mm-hmm. Sunday. So if you're having a game night or if you're having people over for dinner, like bring some other folks along, you know, and yep. invite a single person to that. I know plenty of single people who invite entire families over and cook a meal for all of them. And so I just think. Extending those invitations in my ward early on, we had this girls' night out, and it was all all married women with young children that got together. There were probably ten or fifteen of them, and they invited me along. That meant so much to me, and really gave me an opportunity to get to know those sisters at a deeper level than just you know passing in the halls on Sunday and you know hearing their comments in really society.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, Ben Shalotti mentioned this in in his. Interview that we did that it's almost like it's one thing to sit next to somebody at church, which is great, or saying hi, or being more welcoming. But it's sort of take the next step of inviting them and including them, and and not just naturally looking over them because of their life circumstances, right? But to almost take this step towards sort of adopting them into your family, like hey, we eat dinner on Sundays at five. Like you just need to come over. Like that's always open. You don't feel pressure to, but we'd love to have you here. And and I've thought about this recently since. Uh, ben talked about that, that, you know, inviting a whole family over in the ward, like every week would be, sort of be this daunting, uh, you know, task week after week. But one person coming over, you know, in the ward who knows that they've got a place there at, at the table is, yeah, sure, you know, pull up and uh, really don't have to cook any more food. Or, and it's yeah. really simple to sort of maybe take it a few steps further rather than just these uh, polite nods at, at church.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, You know, and I... Remember one individual that was in the focus group was talking about, so he was he's a high councilman in his stake and has been for quite a long time. And during the pandemic, he just didn't have a lot of interaction with individuals. And it he said his stake president reach out to him just to check in and see how he was doing. And he said that meant so much to me that someone was just aware that I didn't have a lot of contact with people in the shutdown of the pandemic. And I might need someone to check on my welfare. And yes, we have ministering brothers and sisters, and that should be working well. But just if you think about somebody, just call and check up, think about things from their perspective and what they might be experiencing in those difficult times. I know a lot of single people struggled during the pandemic if they didn't have a lot of family support and resources around them.
0: Yeah. So anything else as far as uh, helping people feel more welcome? Or did we cover it?
1: Well, on the friend side of things, also ministering, making mm. sure those ministering you know assignments are set up. Uh, I had plenty of women tell me that they had gone for years without someone being a male being assigned to them. Mm. And it, it's interesting in my own ward, I've had the same ministering brother for about five years and he just told me a couple months ago that they had reassigned him somewhere else and I went, mm. oh, okay, that's fine, you know yeah And he's been fantastic. And so I went into my tools app and I looked to see who my new assigned brothers were and there aren't any, uh-huh. there still aren't any. Uh-oh. And so <laughs> I can say something, right? Yeah. And I think single should speak up when there's some oversight somewhere, something's fallen through the cracks, but help people recognize that and keep an eye out. I don't know, you know, if there's, if there isn't a husband in elders quorum that maybe there's something in the process that doesn't work right, but mm-hmm. keeping an eye out for that, yeah. I think is important. So-
0: and, and I would imagine like singles, single adults, just like any individual, they want to be ministered to in different ways, right? And so yeah. it's easy to default to like, well, we're going to come over every month and just visit you and especially you because you live alone and, and you must be super lonely. So we're going to be here, but maybe that's not what everybody wants. And so to really maybe pro, be proactive, and I suggest this to any ministering family or. Individual you're you're assigned to is say how would you like me to be your ministering brother or sister? You know what what do you need from us or how would you like this relationship to go?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about the friend. Let's talk about responsibilities in the church. So callings. What sort of callings should single people hold? Mm -hmm. Well, I would say all of them. Right. Like (laughs) you know that that it doesn't take you know a priesthood you know responsibility to be able to do or something like that. But get to know the individual. It was fascinating in these focus groups. There are some that would love to serve in primary, and there are others that was like, please don't put me in primary. It's so isolating, and I don't get to know anyone. Hmm. But it totally depends on the individual. I was telling you about this ward that I was in in the Washington DC area. And the bishop of that ward would call it Kyle Sampson. I'm just going to call him out because <laughs> Kyle's fantastic. But Kyle would call it a dynamic ward, but it, someone else might call it a transient ward. There was a lot of move in and move out constantly in that ward. Every Sunday, he had a new member meeting. Now, this was for everyone. Uh Even though half his ward was single, this wasn't just for the single people. But in that meeting, it was held in the bishop's office. At the time, it was the second hour when we had three hours. Uh And there would be a representative from Relief Society, from Elders Quorum, you know, from Primary and so on. There to meet the new folks who were moving in. And almost every Sunday, there was somebody new Hmm. in that meeting. But they had a spiritual thought. Someone just talked a little bit about the ward itself. And then they got to know the individuals there. And so, and I've heard different bishops ask different questions. One person um, who's in a bishopric said that that was in our, our focus group said his bishop asked questions like, What are your hobbies? Where do you like to serve? What calling would cause you to leave the church? Like things like that, but <laughs> nice. just opportunities to get to know different individuals. That doesn't mean you're not going to get that calling, right? But, right. <laughs> but I think that's stuff like that is just really helpful because when we consider the gifts of the Spirit, every individual is given a gift that mm-hmm. you know. But those can be so different, and we need everyone. We need every piece of the body of Christ to be able to achieve what we're trying to do in building the kingdom of God on the earth, and so. We've got to look broadly when it comes to responsibilities that we can give people. Yeah, I also think for a single person, a calling is an anchor to the ward. And if it takes us six months to give that person a calling, they may waver in that time. And so the sooner I think that you can get on that and get someone a calling, that's going to keep them ingrained oh. in the
0: ward. And that's such a fantastic point because from my experiences a married individual with kids, like my anchor of the word, like I can't just wake up on Sunday and be like, I'm good. I'm going to sit this one out because either my wife's already getting ready or the mm-hmm. kids are looking forward to primary or, and so that naturally is sort of the gravity of that just sort of moves me towards, towards church where the single adult, that, that calling could be that strong pull that, Hey, you're part of our community. Get over here. You know, like we're it's Sunday. We, we need you here. And so even with, with single adults, maybe being a little more proactive of making sure Hey, let's make sure there's nobody on this members without a calling list that's a single adult because we need to anchor them into our into our ward and into our community.
1: Absolutely. Right? I mean, I was talking with one friend who she moved into a new house during the pandemic and it was when church wasn't being held. And about a month in, very unexpectedly, she gets a call from the bishop, extends a calling to her in the Relief Society Presidency. And she said, Jessica, I am sure that if they hadn't have given me that calling, I would have gone inactive. Hmm. Like there just wasn't a lot to pull me into a new ward. And so I'm so thankful that someone listened to the spirit and gave her that calling um and and helped her feel like she was needed before we even got back to regular church with the pandemic. And now she just feels very ingrained in that ward and and loves it.
0: Yeah. And as we've been more and more encouraged to, you know, involve single adults into different callings, like I'm just thinking maybe those those ones like primary, you talked about your experience that sometimes we look over uh, single adults just naturally, or we don't even think about it. And I think of the youth programs, young men, young women's, like there is a great opportunity there. And what even more, Paul, if it's one thing to maybe teach a you know gospel doctrine class, and yeah, I'll be there at least every other week. But to say, I got to connect with these youth, like that mm-hmm. that can excite a lot of really anybody, especially single adults that maybe are asked to serve in those capacities. So, because it's one thing to say like, oh, you're the family history coordinator and like, great, Jessica's got a calling, but yeah. that's not really like a Sunday heavy calling per se, or mm-hmm. it may not be as, you know, not as maybe as much urgency to make sure that gets done, unfortunately. yeah. But to really be proactive about some of these callings, making sure that there's a strong pull that, hey, you're part of our community, you're in this group. Let's have your, get your help from this, right? Yeah. You
1: know, and it brings to mind one thing, Kurt, that I mentioned because I heard it more than once that auxiliary, we don't even call them auxiliaries. Anymore. Organizations. Organizations <laughs> like the presidency would go up to an individual and say, you know what? We asked for you a couple of times. Let's say this is young women's and the bishopric won't give us to you. Just know that you're wanted. Hmm. But when you do that to a single person. They sit back and start telling themselves a story, yeah. which maybe, well, maybe they don't think I'm a good role model. Maybe they don't think I should be with the young women. And why is that happening? Because the calling I'm in right now is like not using my strengths. And so just consider that and what you communicate to people. And I would say that with a single person or with someone else. I don't know that, you know, I think the bishop understands why, you know, they right. do certain things. I hope they're thinking broadly, you know, and allowing the spirit to work on them, but that's not always a helpful communication to yeah. a single person or anyone.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I want to uh, jump back to this, as far as this new member meeting that, that, uh, what was his name again? Kyle Samson. Kyle Samson. Yep. That's right. Kyle Samson. We're talking to <laughs> you. Uh, so the Kyle did in his word that I love the fact that he sort of created some, a uh, structure to it that, that yes. automatically happened where, it's easy to be like, you know what, I'm gonna recommit and I'm gonna really be more aware of single adults in, in my ward. But then man, you have so much coming at you that suddenly six weeks pass and you think, oh man, I haven't given that two thoughts since that that yeah. moment. But putting sort of figuring out what what structure, what scenario, what routines can we put to make sure that we're looking out for individuals or, you know, whatever demographic that they're in. And, yeah. and I love that that principle.
1: And I find that there are always people that are on that don't have a calling list. Mm-hmm. Bishop Sampson called someone to be in charge of that class. It was a class on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And so they just were ready to hold it every time. And if someone wasn't represented there from primary, they would go to primary and find a person from the presidency to come and sit in that class. Yeah. And so delegate it. The bishop doesn't have to do all that, right? right? right. Or the elders quorum or the Relief Society president. They've got a lot on their plates. Yeah. So put someone else in charge of that and help them gather the right people yeah. to be able to do that.
0: Yeah. And- he described the word as a dynamic ward, right? Yep. Or a transient ward and uh-huh. I was a bishop of a very transient ward too. But for maybe a more traditional ward that is in an established area that doesn't have a lot of comings and goings from people, you may need to step back and say, okay, obviously new member meeting would be pretty empty week to week. So, but yep. what can we do to make yep. sure that we're focusing on some groups that get forgotten about? Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Anything else as far as with roles or callings or involving in that way?
1: No, I, I love that Elder Ballard said, or President Ballard said in his talk recently around hope in Christ. He said, every member in our quorums, organizations, wards, and stakes has God given gifts and talents that can help build up his kingdom now. So look for those strengths. I had some divorced people say, you know, when I got divorced, people kind of forgot how I had served before hmm. and what my skills and talents were. And it took them some time to recognize that again and then call me into something, even though they've stayed active the entire time. And so the skills and talents are still there, like utilize them and don't, you know, kind of put someone off in a category for a while and then welcome them back in later. Let's just keep them in the fold the entire time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. And I I don't know if I glazed over, you talked about President Hinckley's three focuses and nourishing of the good wo- word. Like, Yeah. Anything you'd add to that? Because obviously in a come follow me world where, you know, home centered, church supported, mm-hmm. you know, uh, format that maybe is a little bit different for a single adult who is studying. <laughs> they just continue with their personal study, I guess. So anything, yeah. anything else you'd say to that?
1: Well, I think it's great. I mean, that's when we talk about the inviting and getting to know people. Why don't you invite someone to your family come follow me study? You know, maybe that's on a week, Nate. Maybe it's a Sunday afternoon, yeah. you know, something like that. That'd be a great invitation to make. I also think that when we are preparing our lessons I think that we just the natural man tendency or woman tendency is to do it from your own perspective. And so I have sat through plenty of really society lessons or gospel doctrine lessons that talk about nurturing children and you know family. If we look at how the you know leadership at the general level of the church talks about things it's very much about your discipleship how you are coming closer to Christ and recognize that spend some time. If you're preparing that lesson, pondering about the people that are in your class and don't make yourself crazy, you know, doing that and trying to make sure we hit every, you know, potential person that could be in there. But if we just take a step back and think, okay, does this speak to everybody in the class? Or maybe we need to ask for their perspective a little bit and get that involved. I think that would just make for a much more inclusive culture than we find in some some wards, I think some wards do it really well, but yeah. others need some work.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. What about you know the whole debate between attending a singles ward and attending a again? I don't know what to call it—traditional ward, family ward. That yeah. and we probably need a good solid name for that. That's in the handbook. Like this is what you call it. But yeah. and we could have a vibrant debate. There's definitely two camps in this. Like abolish the singles wards, yep. or those that say no, keep them. Right, and obviously it's not our prerogative to. Determine how the, that that goes. Thankfully, but as far as like individuals' desires, as you talked with these um, this focus group, like did they desire the singles ward even as maybe above thirty-one, as it you know maybe transition that that stage of life, or attending the family ward, and what what came to the surface with that?
1: Well, I think one thing we should think about as a global church is that singles wards are not available in mm-hmm. the like. Most places around the world, yeah. we're in just our conventional or whatever we're going to call them. Someone in uh, the focus group said we should call them neighborhood wards or something oh, nice. like that. Yeah, yeah. But you know, when we call them family wards, that feels a little like we're bucketing things again. Yeah. So there just isn't an option. There are branches and there are wards, and that's just what you attend globally. And there are some areas where singles wards are available. And like you said, in these focus groups. All ends of the spectrum <laughs> and people who have had all sorts of experiences in those singles wards. And so I think it just depends on the individual and it depends on, you know, their situation at the time, because it can change from time to time. I've told you about, you know, I was in a singles ward and then conventional ward, singles ward, conventional, and went back and forth and, or a magnet ward or something like that. And so it very much depends on the individual. And I think their choice is really important in that process. So. No forcing of people to do anything, but just yeah. welcoming them wherever they show up.
0: Yeah, and there was uh, one conversation I had where a single adult showed up to a, a neighborhood ward, and the bishop sort of defaulted to, "Well, let me tell you about the local singles ward, and here's you know what they do, and here's their activities." And it was almost this sort of nudge of, "You know, you should really go check that out." And I think the bishop, as well intentioned as they always are, yeah. uh, was just trying to help and maybe thought, "Oh, this person is here, but maybe they don't—they're not aware of." The local singles word. And so, I mean, I guess the simple answer is the bishops just be welcoming or other leaders not assuming anything. We're just glad you're here. You know, how can yep. we make you feel more comfortable? But anything like, is there maybe moments where a leader could suggest like, hey, there's other options here if, if this isn't working for you?
1: I think it could always be done with love, Kurt, right? Like we love having you here. I want to make sure you know that there are options, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you choose that this is the best place for you to be, then we would love to do that. Or if you know who that singles ward bishop is, say, I'd be happy to make an introduction. If that's, you know, if you want to check it out Mm -hmm. or something like that. I think, um, another thing to be aware of when it comes to singles versus, you know, conventional wards is we have just some, I mean, they've become very arbitrary age definitions for, you know, what's a YSA ward versus a mid-singles ward. And people get to kind of that transition time, and it can be a really difficult transition for individuals. And so just being aware of that, one individual, and I've heard this story a couple of times, in in his transition, like he was he had just had a birthday and he was very active in his singles ward. And the bishop called him in and said, we've loved having you in our singles ward, but we want you to know you're no longer welcome here. And that is a direct quote, Ouch. like you're no yeah. longer welcome here. And he was he was kind of taken aback and wondering like, what does that mean? Like, help me understand what you're saying here. And he said, well, you've turned, the bishop said, you've turned 31 and you're no longer welcome in our ward. And he said, oh, well, so there must be a problem because I just turned 30 so I have another year until that 31 marker, but I'm still concerned that the welcoming factor is <laughs> like how running we're, out. <laughs> we're, you know, kind of communicating this. And so he, I think, was able to have a talk with that bishop about what are some different ways that we could make that transition a little bit easier for people and do a warm handoff to the next ward, yeah. wherever they're going, instead of communicating, you're not welcome here, yeah. you know, because that's how people feel. So let's not verbalize that, you know, (laughs) let's help them and make that transition easier in whatever way we can.
0: Yeah. And I've heard heard responses across the board as far as like the 30, this 31 age Mm -hmm. is, I don't know if that's, is that outlined in the handbook or is it just this traditional age? Because I've heard that it it says, nowhere does it say that you have to kick people out or encourage them to move on. You just make a welcoming spot and at some point they'll decide- to move on. Right. So I don't yeah. even know if that's, it'd be good for maybe leaders to, if you're saying that, or if you have this idea that 31 is the cutoff, maybe make sure you look that up and verify that.
1: Yeah. And maybe that's done in the coordinating councils and, yeah. you know, it's done stake by stake just to manage flow of people. I don't right. know. Yeah. I'm not sure on that. Yeah,
0: but-, but when we turn things in like hard and fast rules, when maybe they're not even there and, and obviously using the term unwelcome, it's, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It could be better, better use That was there. wrong. Uh, <laughs> Uh, What about, uh, you know, just in good intention, things that we say sometimes come across hurtful or, you know, we're with all the best intentions as we're so good at with all the best intentions.
1: Yeah. And I, I think the singles that I talk to don't ever believe that comments coming from people are malicious Mm -hmm. in any way. I think it may just be a blind spot where they haven't thought through maybe the implications of what they're saying or how they're communicating things. And so I would just encourage all of us to be a little bit more aware of how we are communicating things. I don't know that there's a single out there that something hasn't been said to them that was that could have been taken in an offensive way. Mm-hmm. I think most of them, you know, kind of are able to shift their focus not onto what was said but instead to, you know, I'm trying to build my relationship with Christ and and be the best person that I can. And so, they continue going to church and, and keeping that foundation. But singles, I think, just want to be part of the ward. They don't want to be bucketed into the divorcees and the never marrieds and mm-hmm. you know that type of thing. So, let's just try and get rid of all of the ites, right? Mm-hmm. And as we just get to know people, I think we'll be able to... I, I've said this already probably three times, but... Just to be- develop more love that's genuine for each individual. Some of the things that I think come up again and again is we find that sometimes men refuse to meet with women one on one. And sometimes that's in ministering. Sometimes that's like I was given a calling for a gospel doctrine teacher in the hallway.
0: <laughs> oh, really?
1: <laughs> because the bishopric member didn't want to meet with me in a room, is mm. what I assumed, right? Mm. It was just very odd. I'm like, he's like, oh, could I talk to you for a second? And there are people walking all around us. And so that was unique. Um, (laughs) But I know other people have had those experiences too. And I know that even at church headquarters that they have like clarified that there is no policy that a single, you know, an individual male and an individual female can't meet together in the same room Mm -hmm. and be able to discuss things, you know? And so- I think we make up some arbitrary policies and maybe I don't know, Kurt, right. does that go back to like the mission? Like yeah, I don't I know. know. <laughs> yeah. I sure. don't know where that's from. Yeah. But
0: and just recognize yeah. there's like a a million steps between that type of meeting becoming inappropriate between just walking in a room and having a adult, you know, professional conversation.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think sometimes we create a hierarchy where singles are thought of as lesser than those who have eternal marriages. And we've got to stop doing that. Hmm. We just, uh, you know, Elder Uchdorf, just stop it. (laughs) (laughs) But the way that comes across is sometimes, and it's fascinating to me. I think the women feel more pitied, and they'll get people saying, "Oh, I'll I'll pray for you," or you know, even if they don't know them very well, because they hear that they're single, Hmm. because that's the identifying characteristic. But for the men, sometimes they will have a lack of empathy, or think that they're not living up to their covenants, and they almost will be suspect because of that. And so if you get to know individuals, I think those things shed and but try not to, you know, fall into any of those, you know, biases or just ways that we think about, you know, some singles. I loved what Elder Gong said in his recent talk Room at the Inn, which I think if anyone's trying to under- understand singles or other groups in the church better, Like that is such a great talk to read and read and read again. But he said, our standing before the Lord and in his church is not a matter of our marital status, but of our becoming faithful and valiant disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's what we should focus on for anybody, right? Just helping them do that and being supportive of them in whatever way we can.
0: Yeah. And when you you mentioned blind spots and some of these things that are said with the best intentions, Mm -hmm. I think one principle that's coming to the surface for me is the more superficial you're relationship is with individuals maybe you just see them once a week you know at church or you and maybe you rarely talk then like you sort of default into these blind spots or these awkward things that are said but as you get to know people you're suddenly wow they're you know i know more about their background their life i i understand them more and and some of the things they struggle with and some of their faith some you know all these things and you're less likely to maybe fall into these awkward things that that well, I, I see what you're saying there, but I don't think you mean what you think it means, you know, as you say that. But, Absolutely. Yeah. And so yeah. the more we can mm-hmm. just get to know people and not just have these quick conversations, you know, at church, yeah. then we'll avoid some of these blind spots, hopefully. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. I think it's good. Like if, if someone's making a joke out of something that you just said, they do that to kind of diffuse the hurt sometimes. <laughs> so recognize if they're, if you're saying stuff and people are always like, ah, that's funny, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that could be a it's clue a, for you yeah.
1: to you know work yeah. on that. Yeah.
0: Here's the next question have, have you ever have you noticed an improvement in in the way married members and leaders speak to you in recent years? Because this is becoming more and more of a a thing that, especially with you know summits like this, we're trying to get this out in the sunlight and talk about it and yeah. and step into it. And so, do you think we're heading in the right direction, or what, what would the group say?
1: I think if you look at talks in general conference. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I just mentioned, you know, Elder Gongs and President Ballard's I've quoted from. I'm going to quote another one that he said we should understand that eternal life is not simply a question of current marital status but of discipleship and being being valiant in the testimony of Jesus. The hope of all who are single is the same for all members of the Lord's Restored Church, access to the grace of Christ through obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. And so I feel like they get it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right? But It's a cultural thing. And you talk about this all the time on the podcast. Like it needs to trickle down to everyone kind of feeling that way. And so, yeah, there are less of those menace to society talks. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, even looking at just being willing to step out of your comfort zone and going to talk to someone that I think too often we fall into. I mean, it's called the self similarity principle but only interacting with people that are like us, that we feel like, oh, we've got kids that are the same age or we've got callings that are you know, consistent or something like that. But trying to step out of that a little bit, there's so much value that you can gain from interactions with all sorts of people and just a good variety, whether they're members of the church or they're not members of our church. Like just step out of, you know, your bubble for a little while and get to know those individuals.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Anything else as far as uh, improvements we've made or (laughs) hopefully it's not too many, you know, not in the right, wrong direction.
1: No, I think, I definitely think we're going in the right direction. Yeah. And I I think we run the risk and, you know, even talking about this, I think we had a conversation early on, Kurt, and I was like, why do we even need a conference on signals? Right, right. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Can't we just treat everybody like they're an individual? Yeah. And, but I... I do think things are moving in the right direction. I have so many great experiences as well as great hope that it will continue, that we can create a positive space for everyone and make them feel welcome and included in our congregations, regardless of what bucket somebody might put them in. Let's just get rid of the buckets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. In what way have you seen the need of singles, divorced, singles, parents, young widows, Uh, treated differently from married members. Uh, Anything else we haven't covered around?
1: Oh, gosh, I feel like we've covered a lot of it. I will quote one friend that, you know, kind of wrote me a lot of information who wasn't able to come to one of the focus groups. And he said, society wants to divide people by highlighting differences. We will never truly become a United Church of Christ, unless we become one people that celebrates our common beliefs, and acknowledge that there are many paths that can lead us back to our Heavenly Father. Certainly there are a few common stepping stones on that path, but each path is unique and shouldn't be judged. So yeah, I think it it underscores what we've said, right? right? Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And
0: this is one, as I was putting the early stages of of the summit together, somebody mentioned me that uh, they actually work at church headquarters about this effort of making sure that we're not labeling people as singles, that they're either single adults or, and really if we if there's no need to use the word single, right, to describe people, the better, right? And so just these little things that maybe we could start being more aware of. And, and even throughout these interviews that I've I've done so far, I've been much more aware of, as we're talking about singles, adults, <laughs> like making sure I, I use single adults rather than labeling them with this characteristic of their, or this label of their marital status. Right. Because
1: right? that's so, not what people want to be known for. Right. They want to be known for like, oh, I'm a good person. And yeah. <laughs> and people recognize that. Or I work in this, you know, organization or something like that. But their whole identity isn't just around being a single person yeah. in this church.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Any other topic or concept we haven't hit on, or do we there's so much more, but this is just no, one of many I- focus groups that maybe could happen.
1: Yeah, Kurt, I feel like we've covered a lot of it. And you're right. Like Certainly there are other things, but I think that leaders can discover that as they talk to individuals and get to know, you know, what their needs are. And I think that that's, that's very specific because the needs of someone who's never been married is probably going to be fairly different from a single mother that has children, which is different from a single father that has children, which is different from, you know, someone who's never had children, but has just gone through a divorce And so just, yeah, I just encourage leaders to spend the time, doesn't always have to take a lot of time, but spend the time asking questions, being curious, getting to know what it feels like to stand in that person's shoes so they can feel understood. And that's where we can really make a lot of progress in whatever it is that we're trying to do.
0: Any individual you think this would apply to, especially maybe individuals in your ward council or other leaders that you may know who would really appreciate the perspectives that we discussed. And for more information about the Single Saints Virtual Summit, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash adults.